And uh, I, I was hoping they would sing another song there. That was good. That, that, uh, that was a great message and a great uh, encouragement. And uh, thank you. You guys have worked diligently. I, I do invite you, if you like to sing, go see Brother Daniel. And I know they can add some voices there into the choir and, uh, and just add your voice into that. And, uh, and that would uh, be a wonderful, wonderful blessing. First Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, would you stand with me? We're going to read just a few verses here in the middle of the chapter. And uh, there's a little statement that we're going to build upon here this evening. First uh, Peter chapter 2 reads, but ye, verse number 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him. And I want you to see this statement, who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what we see is, is this, just this thought uh, for, for those that are saved. You're called out of the dark and into the light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day a visitation, and uh, that's uh, just a, a wonderful thought there. So you're called uh, from darkness into light, and uh, if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. And again, I, I appreciate uh, your faithfulness and just just being here in the house of God, and um, and just time after time, service after service. We we need this tonight. We need church. We need each other. And uh, we need to be challenged from the Word of God. And so every time uh, we come together, our, our goal is opening up the Word of God and let the Word of God be our guide uh, that it would transform us. Father, thank you tonight. You, you have been so good. Thank you for the challenge uh, that uh, we've just heard in song, that the just shall live by faith. And Lord, our salvation, uh, just uh, simply through believing in you, the, the faith of um, uh, of uh, the gift that you give and salvation. But Lord, as we have received you, uh, we're to walk in you, we're to walk in faith. We've received you by faith, but we walk by faith. And, and Lord, I, I pray here tonight um, uh, that you would just take your word and minister to our hearts and help us to understand tonight uh, that there is a lost and dying world that watches. They, they look at us. They, uh, they watch our lives and our testimony. They, uh, they see things that we don't even realize they're seeing. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would always be mindful of that and mindful of our walk and uh, Lord, mindful that we would represent you well. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. And as you're seated, again, I uh, take us back to the latter part of verse number nine. And it reads that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then in verse number 10, which in time past were not a people, and so he's looking back to their life before salvation, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And aren't you thankful that if you're saved here tonight for God's grace and God's mercy, and, 
And grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. And mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. And every one of us deserve hell. And yet through the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood that he shed for us. And the Bible calls it in chapter 1, uncorruptible blood. And uh, we were saved through that uncorruptible blood, uh, through the uncorruptible word of God. And, and uh, what mercy, what grace uh, God has shown to those that are saved. The Bible teaches something that, that is so very important. Uh, salvation changes everything. It, it makes all of the difference in the world. Somebody mentioned that to me here just tonight. Uh, salvation uh, makes a difference. It makes a change. Uh, from darkness, as the Bible describes it, unto light. In John chapter 5 and verse number 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And so salvation passes us from darkness to light. It passes us from death uh, to life, from hell to heaven, uh, from being lost to being saved. Uh, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So he's describing our state of being lost, that we were separated from God. And as we've said a number of times, uh, we, were, uh, we were depraved, we were defiled, we were dead in sin, we were doomed uh, to hell. Uh, but verse number 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, that changes everything. Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And uh, uh, we were lost, and we were dead, and we were doomed on the road to hell. But God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4 puts it this way. We, uh, we have an old man, and that old man uh, depraved and defiled. But uh, through Christ, we've received a new man. And as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 states, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now here's the challenge tonight. And this is what I want us to look at with this thought that salvation changes everything. But here's a challenge. And uh, this is to the saved as Peter is writing. And he's saying basically, now that you are saved... You're to walk like it. You're to walk in the light and not in the dark. We're called to live in the light, not to live in darkness. Uh, when you walk in the light, the light dispels the darkness. We turn on the light switch and the darkness flees. Uh, darkness and light cannot dwell together. They can't uh, live together. When you have light, uh, the dark disappears. And when light disappears, the darkness uh, takes place. And so, so it ought to be in our life. We're called to live in the light. He tells us in 1 John chapter 5, uh, 1, verses 5 and 7, and he says, This then is the message which you have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. 
And so the Lord tells us, if, if you are in the Lord, you're in the light. And if you're walking in darkness, uh, you're being dishonest with yourself. And he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. He tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Now as I look at this passage of scripture, I'm going to give three very important thoughts tonight as to walking in the light, not in the darkness. Uh, really three motives or motivations for walking in the light. And I think these are very uh, clearly laid out for us in these verses and they become very, very important. And the first thought as we walk in the light is this simple thought, we, we are chosen by God. We're called by God. It's a real simple thought. We don't belong to us any longer. We've been purchased with a price. And His Spirit dwells within us. And our body is no longer our own. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit of God which lives within us. I want you to see this thought. Look in verse number 9. And he says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Now we can read these statements and we think about the reference to the nation of Israel. And as you go back into the Old Testament, all of these statements would, would fit the nation of Israel and God's call upon their lives. They were chosen by God to be his people. God separated that nation from all the other peoples on the face of the earth. God chose that nation to represent him to the world. Deuteronomy chapter 7 puts it kind of like this. God didn't choose them because they were more in number than any other nation upon the face of the earth. In fact, they were a small group and, and God did not choose them because they were better than anybody else. They were a sinful people. They were a rebellious people. Uh, but God chose them because He loved them. God uh, separated them from the rest of the world. God said, I'm going to raise up this nation and I'm going to have this nation represent me uh, to this world. And through this nation, I'm going to bring the Messiah into the world. And through this nation, I'm going to introduce the rest of the nations to the Messiah and to salvation. And through this nation, I want to prove and show the world that I am the living God. And so God separated that nation. And a, a very similar thought, the saved have been chosen of God. If you have been born again, you've been chosen by God. And God gives you those, those same thoughts that he gives concerning the nation of Israel. We've been chosen to represent him. Now, we understand tonight we don't replace Israel. Uh, God is still working with that nation. There are some that take these verses and and they, they, uh, they teach that uh, replacement theology, that the church has replaced the nation of Israel. No, they're two separate entities, and, and God is, is still at work with Israel. And uh, there are some things in the end time that are going to take place concerning that nation. But here is what God is expressing to us, is just as I separated that nation, I've called you, I've separated you, I've called you out of the world. He called Israel out of Egypt. He took them out of Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. And that's what God did. If you're saved tonight, God has taken you. He's chosen you. He's separated you 
out of the world to be his representative. And notice what he says in verse number 9. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, just as he wanted to use Israel to bring the Messiah to the world, God wants to use you to bring the Messiah to the world and to show forth the Lord Jesus Christ and the marvelous wonders of God, to show the world through the life of a Christian that he is the living God. I want you to look here in verse number 10 with this thought. He said, of your life, if you're saved in time past, you were not a people, you were lost, but now are the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I like to, to just call that verse in representing a saved person, you have been made by God a trophy of grace. And for many of us that, that have been saved, we were saved out of great darkness. And uh, every one of us, by the way, if we've been saved, we've been saved out of great darkness. And uh, we are a trophy of grace. Uh, we, we didn't get saved because we earned it. We, uh, we didn't deserve it. Uh, but God, uh, just through the Lord Jesus Christ and through His shed blood, uh, made us His child and called us forth out of the world to be His representative. Now notice in verse number 11, this statement, He says, Dearly beloved... I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You see, just as Israel no longer belonged to the world, no longer belonged to Egypt, no longer belonged to themselves, we no longer belong to the world. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Abraham, we're pilgrims and strangers on this earth. Uh, this world is not my home. Uh, we're aliens to this world. We, we are foreigners here in this land. Uh, this, is, this is not our home. And so often we, uh, we seek to anchor down in this world in a place our home. And as we've shared out of, uh, out of Second Peter recently as we're preaching through the book of Revelation, all of this is going to burn up one day. And I think it's going to burn up soon. And everything is going to be gone. And it's going to be uh, changed. And uh, so here so often we are uh, building for this life when we are uh, pilgrims and strangers in this world. And this world is not going to offer us anything for eternity. And uh, we've got to recognize that we've been called of God. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased with His blood. We've been bought by His love. And that ought to be a great motive tonight for leaving the darkness and following the light, for serving Christ, for living for Him. His love, uh, that, uh, that, that love, that mercy that He gave to us ought to motivate us, ought to bring about our love for Him. And he said to us and to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he tells us in John 14, verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And so we're chosen by God, we're called by God, and thus we represent the Lord. What a great motive for leaving the darkness and walking in the light. That's one motive. Now let me look at, a, at another here tonight. And we'll just say this, we're soldiers for God. We're called not only by God, but we're called to battle and for battle. Now, if we can grasp this truth that I give you, it's a great motivation. Look at verse 11 again. 
He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, put this statement here, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Um, just a, a quick thought before we look at, at some, some verses here. Um, you know, lukewarm Christianity is just not going to cut it. Uh, if you serve the Lord half-heartedly, you're going to be annihilated. Because we live in a, in a war. It's a battlefield, brothers and sisters. When we get saved, we enter into a war zone. Uh, you're in a battle. And the Bible speaks of our own fleshly lust. They war against the soul. Uh, I want you to keep your place here and, and go back to the book of Galatians. And Paul put it so well in Galatians chapter 5. As we look at this section of scripture here, Galatians chapter 5. And he talks about this, this war that we've entered into. In verse number 16. He makes the statement of this war, this battle between the flesh and the spirit. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. You cannot walk both in the flesh and in the spirit at the same time. It's like walking in, in darkness and walking in light. And either you yield to the flesh or you yield to the spirit. There's a war. And uh, in the book of Ephesians, he puts that there's an old man and there's a new man. And the old man and the new man are at war with each other. Brother Wilkins used to put it, it's a wolf dog and it's a sheep dog. And they hate each other, those two dogs. They're at war. Uh, with one another constantly. There's the old nature. There's the new nature. Now he goes on here to describe the works of the flesh. He says in verse number 19 of Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's expressing here in, in this, the works of the flesh, and I, I believe there's no end to what a child of God can do when he yields to the flesh. Uh, consider all that Lot got involved in in his life. A lot walked not a spiritual walk, but a fleshly walk, though he was saved. And there's this war. And again, uh, this motivation is this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that ought to motivate you to surrender to the Lord. Uh, you, cannot, uh, you cannot prosper as you yield to the flesh. Go, to, go on in verse number 20, uh, 22 of Galatians 5. He says here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. You've put that flesh under the cross. It's dead with Christ, with the affections and lost. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Let us not be desirous of being glory, provoking one another, envying one another. That's, uh, uh, that's the works of the, of the flesh there. So it's a war. You've entered into a battle. You see, our, our great battle is within us. I don't know about you, but my number one enemy is me. <laughs> I have a battle. I've got a war. It's my own flesh. My own flesh is real. It rises up. I want you to go with me. I feel sometimes kind of, kind of like Paul. If you go to Romans chapter 7, and you'll notice what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 7. And uh, he, he expressed it this way, verse 14. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under the law. For that which I do, not do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. What, uh, but what I hate, that do I. Any of you ever find yourself in that, that mode that uh, what you know you ought to do, you don't do. And what you know you ought not do, you, you do sometimes. And uh, you ever find that battle about the time the alarm clock goes off in the morning? Uh, that war, war starts out, doesn't it? And, and then you, you read on here what Paul said in verse number 18. He said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And then he says, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And here's Paul, this great prophet, uh, that is great evangelist, this uh, great missionary. Uh, Paul's expressing that. Of his, of his own life, and he's making that statement. And I think that's why Paul said, I keep my body in subjection, lest by any means after I preach the gospel to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul understood that war that was within him. He said in verse 24 of Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this dead? And that I love, verse 25, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. He's talking about this war, this constant battle. Now, here's the principle tonight that, that Peter is bringing across to us. You've been purchased by Christ. He's called you out of the world. And though he's called you out of the world... There's still that flesh, there's this war, that war that's taking place. And, and uh, God wants to give victory over the flesh. God does not want you to yield to the flesh, but God wants you to yield to the Spirit of God. And it's sad that many Christians are living like the lost around them, and there's little difference. It's kind of like, as we mentioned, Lot. Lot was a saved man. But I think had you observed the life at Lot certain points, you would have strongly questioned that salvation. As you watched the life of Lot as he went down into Sodom and he lived there in the gates of the city and lost his testimony before his own family. And what happened with Lot? Lot turned toward Egypt. He turned toward the world. It was like unto the land of was well watered and Lot made a business proposition and Lot began to serve the flesh and in serving the flesh he lost his testimony there and, and here's what I, I present to us tonight is that that flesh is real and, and it ought to be motivation for us to yield to the spirit not to be destroyed by the flesh but to war this war against the flesh and to yield unto the Lord to do what Paul said I'm crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. To do what we sang tonight, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. You see, whatever you keep for yourself, you're going to lose anyway. And uh, this whole flesh, when you serve this flesh, you're going to lose your, your testimony. You won't lose salvation if you're truly born again, truly saved. Lot never lost salvation. That's an impossibility. But Lot was like one saved by the skin of his teeth and lost the rewards of that salvation and the blessing of that salvation. So here's a, a motive. Number one, we're chosen by God. We're called of God. That love ought to motivate us. But secondly, we're, we're soldiers for God. We're in the midst of a battle. And that ought to motivate us to surrender to the Lord. Go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 12. And I want you to see this, this third thought, this third motive. And this is so important. See, we're witnesses for God. We're called to serve the Lord. He says in verse number 12, having your conversation... And that uh, is much deeper than just your speech, though it involves your speech. It's your whole manner of life. Honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak evil or against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, God's called us to witness and to be His witnesses. We live in the midst of lostness when he speaks here, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Um, we live in the midst of lostness. Uh, the Gentiles is a reference here in this context to the lost. Uh, all around us is lostness. We have lost people everywhere. Why does Hollywood live in such wickedness? They're lost. Why is there such corruption within government? They're lost. You see, lost people will live like lost people. Lost people do what lost people do. They're contrary to God. And by the way, remember from whence you've come. How did you live before you got saved? What was your life like? And so don't ever forget from whence you've come. See, God has placed us in the midst of a lost world to represent Him. Now, it's evident here as we look at this verse that they watch us. You notice here, among the Gentiles, we're uh, Bible to them. In verse number 12, he says that they may behold your good works. Uh, your life is a Bible uh, to them. I, I'm wondering, just curious, is, is, how many of you, before you got saved can look to the life of a, of a true Christian that lived the Lord before you. You watched their lives. Did any of you have somebody like that? I had some people in my life that before I got saved, I saw their life. I saw their witness. I saw their testimony. And I saw the difference that they made. Now, maybe you looked at a lost person and, and you didn't like it. I mean, at a saved person and you didn't like it. Uh, you, you, it convicted you. How many of you had somebody in your life that before you got saved, they brought conviction to you just by their manner of life? Uh, I had a friend, and I'm so thankful for that, but uh, his life to me brought great conviction as I watched him, as I beheld him. Now notice here, they, they watch us, but look at this statement here 
in verse number 12. Uh, he says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers. That's kind of interesting. Uh, you see, there's a difference in, in darkness and, and light. And when you live in the light, the darkness does not like the light. And the darkness will speak against the light. I, I remember this, this friend that brought conviction to me and to my life. And uh, he, he wouldn't curse. And he wouldn't tell dirty jokes. And I remember one game, we were traveling to a, a football game. And uh, there was some, some young men on the football team that at the back of the bus, I, I heard them talking. They were saying uh, something negative about this friend and what they were looking at. They were convicted, really. It was evident they were convicted by his testimony, by the fact that he wouldn't get involved in some of the things. And so they were mocking his Christianity. They spoke evil against him because of the stand that he took for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's that darkness and that light, and they just don't mix together. Uh, that's the problem that Cain had with Abel. Uh, Cain was jealous of Abel. That's the problem that Esau had with Jacob. There was some jealousy. Uh, they had different perspectives. Esau uh, was molded to this world, and Jacob was looking for that which was eternal. And, and there was the battle. That's uh, the battle between uh, Ishmael and Isaac in the Old Testament and, and the war that takes place between the flesh and the spirit. And, and that's a constant battle. That's a constant war. I want you to look here at, at 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse number 16, he says to, to his children, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. So that's the natural uh, direction of the lost world uh, towards somebody who's living in the light. And, and so they watch your life, but they speak against that life, and uh, they don't understand that life. And so you just need to mark it down. If you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to win a popularity contest in the world. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the world's not going to understand your convictions. The world's not going to understand your direction. They're not going to understand the stands that you take and why you take those stands. But here's what happens. God puts you in the midst of them to bring conviction to their lives. They need your testimony. They need your testimony to represent the Lord Jesus Christ very well. You see, you're their Bible. And they read your Bible. They look at your life. They they, they listen to your talk, your talk talks. He talks here having your conversation honest. Uh, they watch you, whether you tell the truth. I, I remember a statement my grandfather made of a, a man that was a leader in, in the church. And I remember him telling this to me. And he was convicted that he had responded wrong to this, but it, it affected him. And here was a leader in a church that made a business deal that didn't keep his word. He wasn't honest and something about my grandpa's. If he shook your hand and he gave you his word, his word was uh, his word and he meant that. And uh, his word, you could have trusted his word beyond a signature. And, and so to have uh, somebody, a leader in a church, uh, come to him and give him a word that was deceptive, 
uh, that, uh, was, um, that, that was very damaging uh, there. And uh, it's powerful. Your talk talks, and it's important to, uh, to do that which is right. But he goes on to say that your walk is talking. This ought to be a great motivation for you to live in the light. Look in verse number 12, this statement. He says, They may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. It's very similar to what Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think there's uh, several different aspects about this day of visitation. Uh, you never know how your witness may impact another life. Uh, they may mock your testimony, but that may be the very testimony that God uses to draw them to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a young lady that went to, to my school and uh, I used to take a Bible and uh, would try to, to be a witness. And uh, I remember um, about 10 years after getting out of high school, uh, went to, to a basketball game to see some, some relatives that were playing. And, and this young lady came up to me in big smile. And she told me how she got saved. And Here's what she said. She said, I used to think you were a weirdo. But she says, now I'm a weirdo. Okay. And, and I got saved. And here's what she said. Thank you for your testimony. And uh, at that time, she didn't appreciate that testimony. But you never know what living for the Lord may be and what that may uh, challenge in the life of another. You read the story of, of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and those that went to Ecuador. And they witnessed to the, to the Akas. They were murdered by the very people that they went to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you follow the end of the story, that seems so sad that here are these young men. And uh, they have their families and they have their whole life ahead of them. And yet they, they gave their life, they sacrificed their life and it seemed all for naught. And the secular news media reported about what a waste it was that these men gave their life. But what the world could not see at that time is the manner in which they died was observed by those that killed them. And they saw some men that died with a peace, and with the joy of the Lord that they did not have. And they recognized in the death of those that they murdered that they had something they themselves needed. And that opened the door of the gospel in the day of their visitation. That opened the door of the gospel uh, manifesting itself in their lives and, and that group coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the very ones that murdered those Christians having their own uh, conviction coming to the point they themselves trusted Jesus Christ. I think that's what happened with Saul, don't you? He witnessed as Stephen was stoned. And Saul was very religious. Uh, Philippians 3 describes that. Saul, Saul says, I, I was zealous for the things of God, persecuting the church. Pharisee of Pharisees. You see, Paul didn't have a relationship with God. He had a head knowledge of God. He had religion, but there's a difference. And he had a form of godliness, but no power that would transform him within. But Saul witnessed the death of Stephen, and I don't think he ever got over it. 
You see, Saul was on the road to Damascus to murder Christians, to imprison Christians. Uh, he was fighting against the truth. And he would speak evil against the truth. But there on the road to Damascus, that day of visitation for him, when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he never got over that testimony of, of, of Stephen. And there Saul bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus. And we know of Saul as Paul and what a change that God made in his life. You know, I realize though for some that that day of visitation, if they continue to resist and reject the Lord Jesus Christ and resist your testimony, the day is going to come when everyone will stand before the Lord. And there are going to be those that will stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment and they will be lost. And they will have to give testimony for some Christian that lived a godly life before them. And how they resisted that testimony of that Christian. And in resisting that testimony they will stand before God with no excuse and lost for all of eternity. Your testimony is very crucial. Now, sadly, the poor testimony of many Christians has caused the lost, in many cases, to excuse their lostness and to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would just say that that is no excuse, but it does for many become an excuse. You may think that your testimony doesn't make a difference, that your testimony doesn't impact others. You may think, I'm just a teenager right now. You may think that that testimony of a teenager, that you don't impact others. I, I can tell you a number of, of people that in their teenage years, they went drinking with the crowd. They went drugging with the crowd. And uh, I can tell you of a number that now those friends that they used to run with have OD'd or gone on into eternity. Your testimony makes an impact. And the words that you speak, it makes a difference in the lives of others. Uh, if you're saved tonight, you are a witness, whether a good witness or a bad witness. Your witness impacts the lives of others. And do you realize that by a poor testimony, uh, you may cause a hindrance to somebody coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you're going to give an account to the Lord for that someday. Do you also realize that just a little testimony, a little bit of faithfulness, others are watching you? They know whether you go to church or not. Your neighbors know that. They know whether you're here on Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, they know whether you're telling the truth. They know whether you're honest in your business dealings. Uh, they know uh, your testimony, and your testimony makes an impact in the lives of others. <coughs> Read the testimony uh, it was really a powerful testimony of a Christian a gentleman, loved the Lord. And he would go quite often into this particular department store. He would buy clothes and shoes and different things in this department store. And he developed a, a relationship with a Jewish salesman in that department store. One day the, the Jewish salesman looked at this man and he says, Why is it that you're always so joyful? And nothing seems to fluster you. What is it? And the Christian says, I'm, I'm a Christian. And he said, it hasn't always been this way. But he said, I met Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he's made a difference, and he's given me a reason to live. And he says, I know no matter what, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And he was able to give a, a powerful testimony to this Jewish man. 
the Jewish man continued asking questions, and it opened the door for the Christian to give the Jewish man a, uh, a Bible, New Testament. That Jewish man began to devour that New Testament. He began to read it and cover to cover, and uh, through that New Testament, he came to the conviction that Jesus Christ was real, and that he was the Messiah. And there that Jewish man bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted Christ, and that made all of the difference. And then what joyful fellowship the two of them had together through Christ. See, others are watching you, and you can either open the door or close the door of witness. And so as I look at this scripture here, our testimony makes an impact, makes a difference. God has called us from darkness to light. And the very fact that He called us, that He chose us, we're a chosen generation. We don't belong to ourselves just as the nation of Israel did not belong to themselves. They were chosen of God and separated by God. You have been chosen and separated out of the world. That ought to be a motivation to leave the darkness and to walk in the light. And the very war that we fight in, we're soldiers. And in the midst of this war, if you yield to the flesh, you're going to be destroyed. And it ought to be a motivation to yield to the Spirit of God. Now, uh, let me just say to this, a, a true child of God, you can't walk in the world and get by with it. <laughs> Young people, if you're truly saved, God holds you to a different standard than He does to the lost world. And those of you that go to Valley Bible Baptist Church, you know some things. You've been taught some things. God's going to hold you accountable for some things. And if you yield to your flesh, you, 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 those of you that know the truth, if you yield to the flesh, you're going to be beat up by Satan. It's a war. And this ought to be a motivation just to fully surrender to the Lord and leave the darkness and walk in the light. But I think this ought to be a motivation. God has called you to witness. Others are watching your testimony. And your testimony to impact people for or against Jesus Christ. I want you to go back to verse number 9. And I'm going to close with this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's you. That's you if you're saved. You have been called out of darkness to his marvelous light. That's you. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you. Uh, you may be a, a young child if you're saved. That's you. You may be an older person. If you're saved, that's you. You're called. You're chosen. That you should show forth the praises of Him that called you out of darkness to light. Let's bow our heads.